0: Good morning, man. Happy Easter to you. I'm so glad. Uh, I, I think it's morning. Three minutes till morning uh, is over. But uh, hey, I just want to say thank you to our worship team today and just bless them. They uh, have done three services and just appreciate them very much. 2020, I know, was a weird year for all of us uh, for me Personally, I did more funerals in 2020 than I've ever done in a year before in 40, uh, 42 years of ministry. And and uh, and only one of them was uh, really covid related. And uh, but so I got to travel around with a lot of funeral directors. I, I hope that doesn't say sound too morbid. But uh, I, I discovered because I ask questions, I'm always curious, is that. Over 50% in our area, over 50% of our, uh, funerals are cremation today. And, and realizing we're a very transient, uh, society, also, uh, expense keeps it a little bit different. So when you're, when you're cremated, you gotta kind of figure out what you're gonna do with the ashes, right? I mean, sometimes they're put on mantles and this kind of stuff. But, but a lot of times they're, they're spread. Somebody will take their ashes and they will, spread them uh, who knows where and, and what they'll do. There was one man I read about, true story, that he, uh, he lived in a town where they had a fireworks manufacturing plant. And so he told his family that when he passed away, he wanted to be cremated and take his remains down there and they would make a bottle rocket of sorts that would shoot out. And he literally... Went, uh, went out with a bang. I mean, literally is what happened with him. And uh, there, there have been others. Uh, uh, Frederick Bauer, that's not a name you probably know very much, but you've experienced him because he is the guy that invented the, uh, the Pringles can. And when he passed away, sure enough, his family took some of his remains and they're in a Pringles can today. There you go. You ne- you just never know what's gonna. I also read that um, Disney World is one of the most prevalent places that people leave ashes. It's against the law, but they do it anyway. They catch them on camera a lot of times. What do you think the ride is that most of them are on? Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion. Uh, Haunted mansion. He was, in, he was in the first service. There you go. It's it's the haunted mansion, and uh, I guess they figure they'll come back or something. Uh, I also read about a lady who told her family that when she was cremated, they wanted her, the family to take their her ashes down to the local mall shopping center. And put them down there. And they said, why? And she said, well, I know you'll at least come to visit me there. And so you never know. Uh, Beaches, mountains, favorite camping sites, favorite fishing holes. they're, They're different places where people who have been cremated have left their ashes. I want you to know, Jesus made no funeral arrangements. He made no desire of what would happen with his remains because there weren't any remains. He uh, he was going to be in there three days in a borrowed tomb, and he was going to be gone. So there was no need for funeral planning, no need to pick out his songs or his scriptures or any of that stuff. Who would be his pallbearers? There was no need for that. But a a, a first century Jewish um, death. This is kind of what would take place. person would, would pass away. We look at Jesus in particular, because we're going to be reading about him. He died. It uh, was crucified on a Friday. You would take the body automatically into Jewish culture, and you would want to bury it that day, if not, no longer, no later, than the next day. And uh, you would take down the body. You would put that body in a tomb. We know that Jesus was put in a tomb, a family tomb, by a guy named, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And, uh, you would take, you could even borrow a tomb because there was no embalming. You could put a body in there until it, uh, deteriorated and then you could come and take the bones. That, that's kind of strange. But we know that they took Jesus and this is what they would do next. They would wrap the body and then put spices on it. There was no embalming, so it was just a matter of time before the body would decay. These spices, myrrh being one of them, and uh, is that they would uh, uh, create a scent so that you're not smelling decay all the time. And so we know, according to John's Gospel in the Scriptures, that uh, Joseph took at least 75 pounds of spices around the wrapped body of Jesus, and uh, placed him in the tomb. We also know that at the particular tomb, there was a stone rolled in front of the entrance of the tomb, because you did not want that odor getting out. You did not want that odor getting out. And this this stone would have weighed about two tons, okay? So it wasn't so easily to roll it would fit in a track and roll across the entrance of the tomb. And we do know that this about Jesus that when he was buried in this tomb, because of the fear of the body being stolen, there would there was put a uh, some Roman guards at the tomb, and they also sealed the tomb in such a way that if it got broken into, that seal would be broken, and these kind of things. So, Jesus was crucified on a Friday. We know that the next day was the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath. The Sabbath ended at sundown, and that's where we pick up today's uh, story. We're walking through Mark's Gospel. So we're in Mark chapter 16, if you have your Bibles or devices. The the Scriptures will be on the screen. I always encourage you to take notes. It just helps you. I've always discovered that the Shortest pencil is better than the longest memory in it for me. But we pick it up, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, When the Sabbath was past, this means the sundown on the Saturday had occurred, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Let's stop there just a moment. Um, these ladies, probably at sun, sundown on that Saturday, went to a local shop, bought some spices. They were going to take it early the next morning. We know that they went before sunrise, and 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 we wonder why. If you've ever grieved before the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child or loss of a parent, you grieve. We know that sorrow awakens you early, right? So these women were battling this sorrow. They take these spices. They're going to the tomb, and they're having this discussion along the way. These three women, just so that you know who they are, you've got Mary Magdalene, you've got Mary, the mother of James, and you've got Salome. Salome was the mother of James and John, the two fishermen. Um, This was so Mary here is not the mother of Jesus. And you got Mary Magdalene. These three women had been at the uh, crucifixion. They had witnessed that. And now on the morning, uh, they're going to be there. Women, let me say something to you. Right quick. Women in this particular culture at this particular time were not elevated. I mean, they were seen almost as possessions. I love that Jesus, when He came, elevated women. He, in fact, uh, you know, He's gonna show Himself to these ladies, uh, first, the very first ones. So uh, God elevated the status of women in that day. It was incredible what Jesus did. But they're coming, and they're distraught, they're discouraged, they're saddened, they're grieving, their heads are down. And then all of a sudden the scripture says, and looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled away. I'm going to give you four thoughts today. Here's thought number one, though. Thought number one is this. When we look up, we see the miracle. When we look up, we see the miracle. When the ladies got their eyes off their circumstances and they looked up, the stone was rolled away and Jesus had risen from the dead. Here's the reason I say this. We spend so much time, energy, resources, expense of all kinds, to try to overcome our circumstances, and we find ourselves living with anxiety, and we live ourselves with discouragement and discontentment. We find ourselves living out life that particular way. And I want you to know, I think the Lord is telling us today, it's time for you to look up beyond your circumstances and see the miracle that God has for you. Here's 2020. 2020 was a year of anxiety and fear and discouragement for many people. And the question that also needs to be answered is that everything that happened in 2020 and into the first of this year, did it cause the fear and anxiety or did it reveal the fear and anxiety? There's a huge difference. Did it cause it? Or did it? You're just a fearful, anxious person, and it revealed it all of a sudden. You got to only answer that for yourself. But I think we look back, we see COVID, we see the racial tension, we see um, we see the struggle with finances and resources. Who would have thought we would ever battle over toilet paper? When the role is called up yonder, I'll be there is what is what we look at. Elections. Polar vortex. All of these things affected our daily decisions and our daily choices that we would make. But today the Lord is instructing us. Look up. Look up beyond your circumstances and see that the Lord is seated on his throne alive. He has no fear, he has no anxiety, he is in total control. He's not wringing his hands saying, oh, what's going to happen? He is in control. And so I want to challenge you today, look up, look beyond your circumstances, look unto the Lord. Here's thought number two. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, it was rolled away to let us in. God didn't have to roll that stone away. He could have just resurrected Jesus and that be it. But the stone, the earthquake that rolled the stone away was for those ladies, those eyewitnesses to go in and they went in and made that eyewitness account. And let me tell you, the world was forever changed when they took that message away. The revelation would set human events in motion that would continue even until this day and until Christ returns. Jesus could have resurrected and no one would know. But the stone was rolled away to let you and I know that the miracle was for us. Let's go on. Verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. You, you think um, this this was an angel, a messenger from God. He was, the Lord let him appear as a young man sitting on the right side. Somebody may say, well, Mark, what's the deal about certain gospels say that there were two uh, men, two angels. This only says there were one it doesn't say that there's not another one. Mark's just focusing on the one that spoke right here. And uh, he's sitting uh, on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. This word alarmed here is only used in the Greek here in this particular place. It's a mixture of fear and anxiety and just a severe, uh, almost of the shakes that were there. And then he said this. Do not be alarmed. That's always the first words out of an angel's mouth. Fear not. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, and she went and told those who had been with him. We see that the next stage of the story, the ladies enter, and they see this angel. They see this young man there and uh notice what he says first of all he says don't don't fear and then he says this you seek Jesus of Nazareth now think about it why why would he go into that detail why would mark want us to know it's Jesus of Nazareth here's a reason he was a historical person he was real He wasn't made up. He wasn't a fable. He came at a particular time in history, and he was Jesus of Nazareth. And then it says, who was crucified? Well, why is that a big deal to put in there? The Lord wanted us to know, through Mark, that he was dead. That's a big deal. That he was dead. And here's the reason. You see, many people had different theories ...on what took place on that morning. One of the theories was the disciples stole the body. That they just came, overcame the guards, rolled the stone away and took, took the body. Now, understand, the ladies had no clue about the possibility of resurrection. And we know from the different accounts when they went to the disciples... The disciples had no clue that there might be a resurrection. And they were feared and they were holed up in a building. They were so timid and so afraid that there's no way that they were going to uh, go and take the body. And uh, those 11, remember Judas went out and hung himself. The 11 disciples that were remained all gave their lives in tragic, martyr way. Listen. You, you, you will not give your life for a lie like that. And so that's what they did. And so the disciples stole the body. That's been proven wrong. Maybe the Jews took the body. Maybe the Romans took the body. But don't you think if the Romans or the Jews took the body that when the disciples go around saying, he has arrived, he has risen, don't you think they would have went and got the body and said, no, you're wrong? They, they didn't. A third thing is that the ladies went to the wrong tomb. They were crying. They were distraught. They were grieving. They went to the wrong tomb. Possibility. But don't you think the disciples then would have went to the right tomb? And if that's the case, don't you think that it went and got Joseph and went to the right tomb? So that didn't pan out that it was the wrong tomb. Uh, some people think maybe the ladies were hallucinating. They, uh, they all had the same hallucination. They saw this young man and it just, it just was a hallucination. It was a mental thing in their grief that happened. Well, what would have happened then is that when Peter and John ran to the tomb, they would have had the same hallucination. The Bible says that he appeared to all the disciples then that means they all had the same hallucination. He appeared to 500 another time. That means that 500 people had the same hallucination. If you talk to a mental health professional who uh, looks into hallucinations or visions or dreams or this kind of stuff, they are no, there's no way that they're given to multiple people. They're always individuals. So the hallucination goes aside. One, one other one. One other theory is that Jesus was not dead. It's called the swoon theory. In other words, he was beaten within an inch of his life by a flagrum, a cat of nine tails, ripped his back open. He could not carry the cross beam all the way to the hill of Golgotha. He was nailed to the cross. He hung up there all day. He, uh, he, he got speared in the side. And, and uh, then they took him down, they wrapped him in uh, uh, the cloth, they put seventy five pounds worth of spices on him. They laid him in the tomb, they rolled the stone over the day uh, 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 over the door, and somehow the damp weather and the coolness of the cave of the tomb resuscitated him. He rolled the stone away, which is two tons. He overcame the Roman guards. And he, uh, you, you see where I'm going on this. He, and so the angel is saying, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He was dead. And then notice what he says next. He says, he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Here's my third thought for you. The third thought is this. He is risen is the greatest one word statement of all time. And I know somebody's going to say, Mark, he is risen is three words. He is risen is the greatest one word statement of all time. What I mean by that? The scriptures were written in the Greek. He is risen is one Greek word, just like the Greek word for it is finished is a Greek word to telestai. The Greek word for he is risen is egyro. And that means one word, raised. He is not here. He has raised. And so the, the, the angel is getting across to the ladies. He is not here. He is risen. He has been raised. So that is the greatest one word statement of all time. And notice what he said. He instructed the ladies to come and see. The word see here is for investigate, witness, search it out. He is there saying see. But what did he want them to come and see? Nothing. Usually when I say, hey, I want you to come and see this, I want you to come see something. But he was saying, I want you to come and see and you see nothing. But in that nothingness, it said everything. It, it showed the humility of Jesus and everything that he had gone through. It showed the cruelty of man that we can do anything because of the sin in our life. But ultimately, it showed the victory over death. Come and see. Come and see. We, uh, a couple of years ago, we went, a team from here, we went to work um, a mission trip on the Camino del de Santiago, the Way of St. James. Some of you have heard of that. You've read about it. We, I, I got to work in a ministry house there on the way. The reason it's called the Way of St. James is because it ends up in Santiago, Spain. Santiago, St. James. The, the reason that you end up there is because there's this huge cathedral and it's rumored that the bones of... James, the brother of Jesus, are there in that um, cathedral. And sure enough, they've got this box, and people wait for hours just to come and get a glimpse of that box. We we got to see it, and I'm thinking, first of all, I'm a skeptic, uh, and uh, I think I've got a re- lot of reason to be skeptic, but it's amazing how people will line up just to see a box that supposedly bones are in. Uh, uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City in Rome. We uh, supposedly, the bones of Peter are there along with the heads of Peter and Paul. You know, uh, and people will wait, line up hours and hours and hours to see bones. I'm sure they do it for other religious leaders. Listen, you can't line up to see the bones of Jesus. You can't see them. Because he is not there. He has risen. Right. He has risen. Yeah. The next thing the angel tells him is this. After he says he is risen, he is not here, come and see. Then he says this, but you go and tell. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. That's interesting that Peter's name would be mentioned. Uh, go and tell the disciples and Peter. I, think the, you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, James, and John fell asleep as Jesus was praying. And Jesus comes back and remember he called him Simon. He took his old name, that old fleshly name, and he called him Simon. Here it's saying, go tell the disciples and Peter. I almost think it could be interpreted, go to this, tell the disciples, go and tell the disciples, especially Peter. Because Peter had screwed up badly. He had denied as a follower of Jesus. And go and tell him. Go and tell him that I'm alive. That I've risen. Here's, here's my third, uh, fourth, fourth point. The resurrection is the greatest game changer of all times. The greatest game changer of all times. Brett talked last week about the king having one more move. This was his move. This was the move. The resurrection is the greatest game changer of all times. What what were they to go and tell? where they were to go and tell that death has been defeated, that Jesus is alive and all His promises are real. And let me tell you, folks, that's the same message today. Our world needs to know that we serve a living Savior. They need to know that He is alive. The prophets foretold it. Jesus told His disciples it would occur. Eyewitnesses reported it. Disciples were radically changed. History reset its calendar. The church was miraculously birthed. That message got all the way to America, down to Texas, down to Waco, Texas. And I, as an eight-year-old boy, received the gospel, and my life was radically changed. It's the same message today. Jesus is alive. So how do we respond today? You know we can say, well, Mark, we talk about the resurrection every Easter, yeah. and we can get so complacent about it. I have two prayers today. One is this is that the Lord would shake us from our complacency and and grasp the awe of what took place. And one of the best ways I look at that is is you ever you, I don't know if you've got scars, I've got plenty of scars. And anytime you bump a scar or you nick a scar, man, it creates pain. And in that pain, you remember what that was from. And I, I just pray that today, the Spirit of God would nick the scar on our heart to remind us of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Well, Mark, are you praying for us to have pain? Yeah, I am. But that's okay. We learn from pain. We learn from it. And most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We can get so complacent until we nick that scar and we say, Oh, Lord, you've done that for me. You're awesome. So that's one. Number two prayer is this. I I don't assume everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus. Uh, Some have come out of habit. Some have come because they've been forced to come. Some... Just came. Listen, listen. I, I don't want to create religious people. I want to present Jesus in such a way that your life is transformed forever. It's a relationship with the living God through Jesus. And so if you've come looking for a religious habit or something to make you feel good or something to just to, uh check off the boxes, listen, that's not what I desire. I desire for you to know Jesus and to cry out to him today. There was a father who it was a Saturday morning and his wife was shopping and he was left with his little girl. He loves his Saturday mornings, man. It's to read the paper, drink that coffee, and just veg a little while. And so, that's what he's doing. But, you know, mom's gone. The little girl wants to play with dad. So, she's all over him and bugging him. And and he's thinking, what can I do to get a little peace? And he notices in the paper that there is a picture of the world there. So, he gets this idea He gets the scissors and he cuts out the picture of the world. And then he takes that and he cuts it into puzzle pieces. And he gives it to his little girl and says, I want you to take that. And I want you to go in the other room. And I want you to put the world back together. And he's thinking, I've got tons of time here. And she was back in just a few minutes. He said, Dad, I finished. He thought, there is no way. And so he goes and looks, and sure enough, the world's put back together. And he said, how did you do it so fast? And she said, well, Dad, I'll be honest. I noticed on the back of the world that there was a man. And when you cut it up, I knew if I could put the man back together, then the world would be put back together. Folks, I want you to know that Jesus came and he died and he rose from the dead. So that he could put us back together. And if we are put back together. Then the world is back together. But we live in a day where we know there's many things that are not together in our world. We can blame it on the world. We can blame it on the devil. We can blame it on a lot of things. But let me tell you. We have a responsibility of this church of Jesus Christ. To say he is alive. And he is putting lives back together.